That's what I dreamed of my whole life right here. This is what we, this is what we work for. Uh, this is what all the off-season training, all the everything that goes on through the season, the ups and downs, this, this is what it's for right now. Been on that mound, uh, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Uh, I feel amazing. Uh, so for all the haters to say I'm slowing down, <laughs> good luck. That's the big dog, Alec Manoa. After the kid rolled the Tampa Bay Rays Saturday night. I love that clip. Josh, you got to... I, I wish he did the little little louder, a little bit more pronounced. So good. So good. I love Alec Manoa so much. He's just, he's that kind of guy where it doesn't matter how good he is. He's just going to have the chip on his shoulder thing. Like, there was maybe two starts this year where people talked about Alec Manoa slowing down. And it's because he only threw 100, I think, 19 innings last year. So people went, oh, you know, maybe we shouldn't just assume that this dude can just go right to 200 innings and that it should at least be a talking point. Because no one even talked about it. It wasn't even a, hey, should we? We talked about it for like a week. <laughs> this guy putting together what should be more of a Cy Young discussion season. All the haters out there saying I'm slowing down. Who's saying you're slowing down, Doc? Nobody said that. Nobody said that. There was, I think, you know what? I think it was kind of a little bit uh, nerds. The nerds did it a little bit. They got, because the nerds are the ones who are even flagging down that the innings thing is happening, right? And the velocity and the break on the pitches. And we're like, we never even asked you about this. But all right, fine. Put it out there. Now we got it. So I'm starting with Manoa. And the reason I'm starting with Manoa is because I'm really not trying to be podcast talking head straw man guy, but I genuinely feel as though this season is a little underappreciated and that it's a little overlooked. And maybe it's because I track gambling odds and I pay attention to these things, but I thought, okay, Alec Manoa is now almost at 200 innings by baseball reference. And I'm nitpicking or I'm what's it called? Not nitpicking, uh, cherry picking. I'm cherry picking the war that I like the most because everybody has their own war. Baseball reference has their own war. ESPN has their own war. Fangraphs has their own war. According to Fangraphs, Manoa hasn't even been more valuable than Kevin Gossman this year. So I'm going, no, that one's out. It's all baseball reference. According to baseball reference, Alec Manoa is ahead of Justin Verlander in pitching war now. 5.7. And yet you look at the odds today and he's fifth. I'm not even saying that it shouldn't be Verlander. Because to me... The one thing that does get missed a little bit in baseball when we've done this over the last couple of years is whether or not a guy's team is any good. And Verlander is the best pitcher on the best team. And he's putting together a phenomenal year. And if you look at the numbers across from him and Manoa, there's a case for him. I say that you tip it towards the guy with the winning record. So I'm not even advocating for the fact that he shouldn't be there. Even though, again, now Manoa has pitched about 30 more innings than him. We'll see what that finishes at with the, the end of the regular season. If Manoa actually cracks 200... But I genuinely feel as though if Manoa is going to do the huh to the haters, he should be doing it to the odds makers, to the bookmakers. Because Shane McClanahan shouldn't be ahead of him anymore. He shouldn't be plus 10,000 to win the Cy Young this season. He shouldn't be fifth. I'm sorry. Again, baseball reference, you go, you look at the war. He's right there. And the other reason why I think it's a little underappreciated is... Because he's not in that Cy Young conversation or he hasn't really been in it, hasn't been a talking point of podcasts, shows, radio, television, whatever, 
that it hasn't felt like Robbie Ray last year where everyone cared. Everyone cared about Robbie Ray getting Cy Young, and so we were paying more attention. Ray's season wasn't as good as this one. I actually think that if, if you go through best seasons by any Blue Jays pitcher, it's really tough to quantify Steve because he threw so many innings. He was just such a workhorse. But I think that it's without a doubt, and I've talked about the ones I've enjoyed the most. This is one of the most enjoyable to me, maybe the most enjoyable in my lifetime. There's been some good ones. There was a great Marco Estrada season, uh, a really great season that I've watched multiple from Roy Halladay. Like we probably have three Roy Halladay seasons that I would throw in there and go, wow, these, these ones really count. We had an Aaron Sanchez year. That was incredibly fun. I said Jay Happs 2016 is a little underrated when he won 26 uh, or sorry, 20 games. But the best two seasons with a bullet by any Blue Jays pitcher, the back-to-back Cy Youngs by Roger Clemens. Like there's just, there's no doubt. We, we don't talk about it because it's a weird era of Blue Jays baseball, ugly uniforms. Guy was probably juicing <laughs> this is he's like the poster boy for us learning about why pitchers would juice so it's a tough one but you look at those clement seasons which you know i happen to do today just to have a little by the way he was 34 and 35 years old he won 21 and then 20 games and we never talk about this like Jesus never bring this up he won 41 games in two years era 205 265 and by the way, just, yeah, leading the league in ERA plus, leading the league in strikeouts both season, just absolutely dominant. Should have probably even been higher for MVP, but it was the era where nobody was talking about pitchers for MVP. We were getting away from that. Anyways, those are the best two seasons by a Blue Jays pitcher ever. I think Manoa might be number three this year. That's how good of a year it is. You go and you compare him to just about anybody, right? Like, go down the line. Roy Halladay had some great seasons, won a Cy Young, but if you look at it, Oh, three is his signature year, but he had some other really great seasons. I'm just looking at Manoa right now and what he's done. And, and I thought Saturday night was kind of that stamp game where you went, Oh, right. This guy is the bona fide ace of this staff. This is why you're not pitching this guy for home field advantage. And maybe you don't need to now because the Rays were two games back. All of a sudden it's tied there's a real chance for them to leapfrog the Blue Jays. And Manoa says, hell no. And he, and he stomps it out. And what's the ERA now? I think he dropped it down to like 231. Maybe it's even lower than that. I got a whole bunch of stats all kind of all over the place today. But I think that's what his ERA gets dropped to. And it's how he does it. If he was striking out more people like Robbie Ray was, he'd get more consideration. But again, if you look at things like war in the American League for pitchers, he's the top of the top. On baseball reference, he's going to pitch 200 innings. He's got an ERA of 231. And his team, to me, if you're the top wildcard team, that, that should count a little bit more than just being in a wildcard in most seasons. Especially if there's a line of delineation between the groups and he's the guy. Shane McClanahan had an opportunity to shut it down for his team. Couldn't do it. Didn't do it. Still ahead of Manoa on the Cy Young rankings. Don't get it. I don't know what Manoa's got to do to get a little bit more respect from bookmakers or for national media, but he's not getting it. And so, yeah, the haters, it's, it's not about you slowing down. Don't, 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 point the, don't point the finger at all of us that looked at your numbers in August, I think it was, when he had that little bit of a dip and said, hey, what's up here? Anyway, he looks fresh. He looks fine. He throws his season-high number of pitches in that start. 
did I feel a little bit afraid? Like that's what they did with Ryu before the playoffs. He finally pushed his limit a little bit and then hmm, playoffs came and a little, maybe I, I admit that. So yeah, maybe I am accusing you of slowing down either way. Manoa was just amazing. Clemens top two. I'll still say holiday there. Steve had a couple of really, really great seasons. But Alec Manoa is 100% in that category. This is a better season than we saw from Robbie Ray a year ago when he won Cy Young. And for all the stuff about, hey, Vladdy, any other year he wins MVP. Yeah, why not that with Alec Manoa? I think that he should be having way more consideration. And I'm not even being a homer. There's just a lot of numbers that back this up. And it's basically just like the strikeout numbers are a little too low. And so everybody's having to cry about that. I, I don't really get it. Anyways, Mariners have lost seven of their last 10. Magic number for the Jays is four. Um... The only other piece of business from the weekend is that there should be no more debate as to who the third starter is come playoff time. That's done. It's Ross, okay? Jose Barrios is a negative war, and Ross Stripling's is two and a half. Ross came into another ball game where they needed him to be Ross Stripling, and he throws five good innings, and he lets the bullpen take over. And I just, I think the ceiling is higher for Barrios still to go deeper into a ball game and to dominate, to have his best day. This, is, this shouldn't be a debate. And I get it. He got paid. You still can have faith in Barrios, but say that he's not supposed to be the number three starter. Because at this point, like, I don't even know where you begin the case. I, I genuinely don't understand where you begin the case based on what has been done this year. Ross had one recent blip. And outside of that, it's basically been all consistency all the way through. I just trust them more. I know who I want out there in a playoff game. And again, this weekend was another little piece of proof of that. Jays are two games up. And now it's the Yankees. And Aaron Judge is going for 61. Good luck. No. I I genuinely don't know how to feel about this. I'm going to talk to the boys about it a little bit. Um, Joe Bosch, Pete Walker. So Judge doesn't hit it last night. Um. I went to bed before I stopped paying attention. It was two nothing Yankees. And I was like, anyway, yeah, it was the rain delay. And I was out. It was done. It was finished. Woke up this morning, checked Aaron judge tonight, by the way, against Kevin Gossman. I'll throw this in from, cause I'll just, I'll just start this as it's time for action brought to you by DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Um, he's plus one ninety just to hit a home run tonight. This is, this is my question I have for blue Jays fans today for you guys, for everybody. And you can hit me up anytime at JD Bunkus on Twitter or on Instagram. I'm always checking there. We'll get the text line figured out soon, but for now, just do it there, all right? And yeah, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, do all those things. Um, do you want to see Aaron Judge hit one in Toronto? Petey, I think you're you're going to the game. You going to go? Maybe at the game, JD. Yeah. yeah. My Auntie Mitch and Uncle Sean, they've got a hotel room. Yeah. Like that hotel that looks over That's the That's kind of half going to the game. Yeah, I know. It's not really going to the game. Yeah, and there's no not, chance it goes anywhere near the hotel room, right? This, well, even if it does, what, do you want it to blast through the glass? Ideally, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, great. No, definitely. If you're if you're gonna go to the game and sit in the outfield, you've already s- said what you feel, which mm-hmm. is you want to see him hit it here in Toronto. I'd love to see it. Yeah, and I, I don't. I'm not faulting anybody for doing it. I'm not faulting for anyone for doing it. I just think it would be a little annoying to see it on repeat forever, and I would hate to be the Toronto Blue Jays pitcher that gives it up, mm-hmm. just because that's what you'll remember a huge part of their career for. So to me, I, I'd rather judge sit on the number. I like, I don't want to see him break it. I, I don't want to see him do it. I hate the Yankees. I don't care about judge. I don't care about Yankees records. 
I think that it is technically the non-juicer record, which is cool, but I'm just, I'm not really into this chase. I haven't been, I'm not going to pretend like I really care about it right now. I think I might go to, not tonight, I think I might go Tuesday. Austin Matthews throwing out the first pitch on Tuesday, according to Twitter. As long as he's not throwing it, they don't bring him in and throw it to Judge. Right. <laughs> yeah, that but, one's hitting the hotel. Yeah, that's it. That. Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, no, it's not because he might not put it over the plate. Although he's an Arizona guy, so he should be able to at least throw a baseball. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, do you want to see it? I do want to see it, especially if I have money on it, plus 190. Very mm-hmm. nice. And if I'm at the I'm game, not betting on that. That's, I think it would be a lot sick. of fun You're to see it. You're a sick, twisted person no, if you bet on it. I'm really? fully anti-Yankees, yeah. so... I don't want to see it. The he old, can hit it in New York. Yeah, I, just don't hit it at all. Yeah. I don't want to see him hit it. I don't <laughs> want to see it. I'm petty. I'm bitter. I don't want to see Aaron Judge hit this home run. And I don't want to see any home runs go against the Jays. And people go, this is history. It's so cool. And baseball is that sport where you kind of want to see the that. Ha- so let's put it this way. If it was LeBron and he was going to break the points record, right? If LeBron was going to track down Kareem and then he was going to face the Raptors, I would say you've already embarrassed this franchise enough. What's this? What's this added franchise? You were already the owner of the Toronto Raptors for like, you know, almost a decade. So what's the issue with doing this? I would kind of want to see LeBron break the points record. It would just be amazing to be sitting there and watch him do it. But that's the points record. You know, like that's a league wide. I care about it record. This to me is just Yankees, you Mm -hmm. know, trying to find an appropriate way to say this. (laughs) It's just Jalen Rose. Yeah. Kobe Bryant, Jalen Rose, 81 points. But I kind of like having that one. We see that on replay all the time. This is what that would be like. I was thinking there, there's been some big, there's been some big games against the Raptors. So if LeBron gets the record against the Raptors, like, well, Kobe already dropped 81 on us. So what's the worst? If someone was going to break the goal scoring record against the Leafs, as long as it wasn't someone from the Habs or mm, maybe the Sens, Red Wings, there's a couple teams where I wouldn't want to see it. If Ovechkin had 894 and he was about to break it against the Leafs, would love to see it in Toronto. I but think the, I would but love this to isn't that, that. This is what I'm saying. This is a single season yeah. record, right? This isn't a career record. It's not Pujols it's hitting single, 700, and it's a single season record. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to see Pujols hit one either here. Well, what if it? What if it was? The it's, 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 it's a different record, record though. You know, I know, what I mean? but it's, it's, it's not, it's not even season. a record. It's just a milestone. It's just we put we go round numbers. We go, yeah, 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 seven hundred. Yeah, we we just like number. We like how it looks. Yeah, we like how it looks, and so that's what we're doing. But yeah, I just a single season. Not being the actual record record. If he was trying to break one of the juicers records, I'd yeah. say, let's do this. Let's do this, Judge. Let's bury the juicers. Did you guys see Barry Bonds was on the broadcast yesterday? And I did. Seconds, like, it means a lot to me to get in the Hall of Fame. I was like, well, you shouldn't cheat then, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> well, Barry. Well, that's a tough one. That's a tough one for you. Shouldn't have been a jerk to all those baseball writers for your 20-year career. Absolutely sewered yourself with them. I think, by the way, Barry Bonds should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. I'm just saying that it was... It, it made me feel a little sad. They just brought him on to be like, hey, say that it hurts you. It's not really a surprise yeah. that he's not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the point. <laughs> it shouldn't be. Um, yeah, I'm not into the judge thing. I don't want to see it. It's also a division rival. It's just like if, it. if they hit it, like it would, just, it. it would just hurt. <laughs> I don't want to see on it. many levels. And I know I don't want to see it because I was rooting for him not to get it last night. Like, I didn't want to ha- him to have it out of the way. I just don't want him to have it at all. I, like, I don't want it. I want it to be stranded. I want it to haunt him. I want it to haunt the Yankees fans. I want them all to be like, we were so close. Boo-hoo. You're a real hater. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I will just always be a hater. Wake up with negativity. Always be a hater of wake up with negativity. the New York Yankees. I just, I don't, I don't make any apologies for that. And again, it's time for action brought to you by DraftKings, an, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. So um, I went 2-1 last week, debut of the show. So stupid because I didn't have... I actually didn't have the Bills as my best bet, and I didn't load my page properly. I panicked. It was the top thing, and I made it my pick. Uh, you live, you learn. That's tough. Yeah. That's tough. 
I have been a Bengals rider. Everybody knows that I'm a Bengals future rider, Bengals division rider. I just, I'm Bengals all over the place, and I made some money yesterday on Bengals. I actually, yesterday was a great day for me. The only thing that killed me was the the night game, the Niners coming through. It must be um, nice to hit your bets. You're 2-1, nice. I'm 2-1, yeah, that's true. Josiah Bosch, 2-1. Two, two Pete is like... Is 1-1. One one. No, incorrect. <laughs> Pete, Pete is way more than that. Like, we were sitting around today. Pete gave two preview picks, Tuesday and Wednesday, that both That's hit. true, that's true. So I'm giving them both those. As long, did you bet? Hold on, though. Did you bet them or did you just talk about them? That, that's why I didn't count them. Yeah. Okay. The did you bet them or did you just talk about them, Petey? I just talked about. Yeah. Okay. So see, never that's mind. why I didn't count I just them. And because I didn't count reverse, mine either. Let's roll that odometer back. <laughs> like, <laughs> <you know. laughs> yeah. No. <Gone>. You're not getting those <laughs> yeah, anymore. But yeah. you did like the Falcons. I liked the Falcons too. I also put a sprinkle on the Falcons. So, so did I. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody liked the Falcons. So Pete, the only guy that didn't bet the Falcons. <laughs> so you you yeah. talked about it. Oh, but no JD pick, and I bet No pick, Pete. No pick, Pete. He's not making any picks. Um, yeah, you also love this weird prop, Derek Carr, over two and a half rush yards, which I completely <laughs> blacked out of my mind. Like, I, I don't remember you, you didn't remember saying. that one? Eh? No. I, some, that was I remember one. you talking about it. can roll the tape back. You can say how you did it. Um, I will say Pete is out profiting us. No, that's what lot. I'm saying. He hit the by biggest bet, and you weren't mm-hmm. here on Friday. The Cleveland yeah, defense, here. special teams, anytime touchdown at the death. The best was just because like, I went to bed, and I was done. I was prepping for the show, and then the phone was ding, 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 ding. I was and all the messages from you guys. <laughs> Pete did it. Pete did it. Yeah, Pete. <laughs> and did you bet that one, though? No. No pick Pete. Oh, yeah. my you're, goodness. Yeah. You're moon jail. Honestly, know. you're moon jail. This is I bad. Know. Okay, now, okay, here's the thing, though. Now you're in a quandary. May as well yeah. not try. Yeah. Okay. Now you're actually in a in a you're in a pretzel. Well, I do have money on my prop for tonight. Okay, well, this is what I was gonna say though. I'm fading your prop tonight automatically. Wow. Yeah. I did see there was someone on Twitter who put our all of our picks in a parlay for Thursday night football and he hit it and you still didn't bet it. So yeah. that's very nice of that person to do it. But I'm telling you right now that if you so you're winning all these bets not betting them. Mm-hmm. So yesterday I didn't post my coward's parlay and it's the first time that it actually hit. Oh, wow. And I forgot to do it. And now I feel the same thing as you where I went, am I cursed posting? Yeah, and now yeah. you're in the gambler brain. Maybe I'm just doing this to you. Maybe I just Rocco Basilisks you where I just, I put it in your brain and now it's a, I, I opened the door for you. But now if you bet your picks and they lose, it's going to be a thing. Yeah. You know, it, you're toast. Okay. But all right. What did you already bet tonight? I already bet. I've included this in a couple parlays, same game parlays. Mm-hmm. Uh, Saquon Barkley over 22 and a half receiving yards. Yeah, I don't mind that. Minus 135 on DraftKings. Um, that number is lower than his career averages against the Cowboys okay. and his career averages on Monday Night Football. So I like it. And obviously, Saquon, huge part of that offense. Joey, you saying? I also had that one written down, but I'm pivoting a little bit just for the sake of being a little different from Pete. No pick Pete. But um, I'm, I'm going Saquon Barkley anytime touchdown. He's uh, 818 yards per game so far this season. I know it's only been two weeks, but still. Plus 100 through the first two games, electric. Micah Parsons is going to be in Daniel Jones' grill the whole night, so he's not going to have a lot of time to look downfield. Saquon's going to be in and around the box, so he's going to be dumping it off. Short little throws. And if they get close to the red zone, I, I mean, it's hard to believe that Saquon's not going to be their first option. So okay. Saquon Barkley, anytime touchdown, yeah, plus I'm, 100. I'm also going with the running back, and it's going to be Tony Pollard. Tone. I don't really understand his line for receiving yards because last week he caught four passes for 55, and the Giants, their rush game gave up 119 yards last week. They got, they got touched up. Cooper Rush likes him. He was throwing the ball his way. 
And if you look at his yardage total this week, Tony Pollard only needs 17 and a half yards receiving. I, I don't understand. 17 and a half? Yeah, it just looks low. Oh, my. And so it's minus 125, but either way, I know Tony Pollard can catch the rock. I know if he gets targets, he can take it. I think he could end up popping that that number in one run. So, yeah, Tony Pollard over 17 and a half receiving yards. Um, those are your bets today. That's time for action. Brought to you by DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. When we come back, I'm going to play a game with Charles Davis, my friend and yours. It's real or it's early. Stories from week three in the NFL. Subscribe and review. Sportsnet 590. The Fan. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Miami. Uh, uh, South Beach. Bring the heat. Uh. <laughs> Can y'all feel that? Can y'all feel that? Another fun week in the NFL. Gonna play a game with my friend Charles Davis, NFL analyst for CBS. Um, is it real or it's early? Takes your thoughts that I had yesterday, wondering if they're actually real things. Or whether or not it's still fake. Whether it's too early to tell. Because it's take season, right? And we were talking to Doug Kide last week from Pro Football Focus. And he's like, yeah. Usually about a third of the season is where we start to look at our analytics and really take them seriously. And, and I think that's right for just about all football fans, right? It's like it's tough. It's tough earlier in the year. You can end up having some bad takes that don't hold up. It's not baseball where, you know, you can get bad takes once a week. But this is usually bad take season for football. This is usually times where things don't hold up. But when you hit on them early, like, mm, it feels pretty damn good. So uh, a game with Charles Davis today. It's real or it's early. Uh, Charles Davis, good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you today? I am great. Made a ton of money on my picks this weekend. Um, including one that was your game. Uh, Bengals bounce back. We're feeling good. We're feeling right. They're off the panic power rankings. We're feeling good about that. So, yeah, last week we did panic power rankings, right? We we put things that way, teams that were panicking. This week I want to do a game called It's Real or It's Early. So takes that I have for you or thoughts that I had for you, and you tell me whether or not you think that we can already define this as real or whether you just think it's too early. I'm going to start with this one. The Miami Dolphins are contenders. Real. Thought that before the season, nothing to change that now. Tough win for them and a very good win, and frankly, a win that they had to have, and for this reason. Buffalo came in beat up. Yep. And when you can't take advantage of a, a depleted roster, and depleted is probably the wrong word, but it felt darn near, didn't it? Especially oh, in the secondary. Yeah. You know, and, and and I don't care that it was close. I don't care that Buffalo, you know, struggled down the stretch, couldn't get the last playoff, although I have to admit, for me, the best thing I saw over the weekend was Ken Dorsey, the offense coordinator of the Bills. His epic snap in the booth after they didn't get the fourth down the last playoff. Mm-hmm. That's going to carry me. I, I, I promise you, I've watched it 50 times already. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I just can't, I can't get enough of it. And I have the Bills this week. Mm-hmm. So I can't wait to Ooh. talk to Coach Dorsey. That's going to be fun. That is fun. I think that it was a, this is a two things can be true situation where – 
yeah, the Bills were beat up. You saw it on their offensive line. You saw it in their secondary, that big play yep. to Waddle that changed the game, essentially. I'm thinking, you know what, if they've got um, yep. their real safeties back there, does this play end up happening? Yeah, Who knows? It, exactly. Yeah. Who knows? If but, those guys are back they, there, how does it go? The they did. They, they made the play. It. They made the play. They made the plays. That's how it works. And you know as well as anyone in this league, heck, in any league, health is a big deal. Yep. And no one goes back and says, okay, you beat them, but they weren't at full strength. So guess what? You don't get credit for the win. No, it doesn't work that way. No. So give Miami up. credit. They did it. That's it. That's where that's where I'm at with it. And then you saw the receivers at the end of the game. Like I think it was Isaiah McKenzie who needed an IV. Stephon Diggs was obviously not himself. It was just they yep. they were they were a hurting team at the end of that game, but both teams played in the same conditions and the Dolphins won. And what I was going to say, the second part of that is true, is I agree with you about the contender thing because they're just fast. They're fast on defense. They're fast yep. on offense. And if Tua can just get the ball out to those two guys, I just think that they're going to have opportunities where if they can just hang around in games, they'll have the playmakers who can just break one like Waddle did at the end of that one. And all of a sudden you're looking up at the scoreboard like probably the Bills did yesterday going, wait, we had the ball for how long? We made how many plays? We had how yep. many first downs? And we still lost? And, and I think that if you're Miami, you're feeling good about the template moving forward. I agree. Absolutely agree. And as I mentioned at the top, I thought this going into preseason, going into the season, that this was a good roster that the mm-hmm. Dolphins had. The biggest question marks that came up with the roster, defense, no. They mm-hmm. kept the defensive staff intact, and most of the defense was back. Yeah, and, continuity you know, there. I thought Javon, and Javon Holland has proven to be what we thought he was going to be, a really terrific safety. And then offensively, adding Tyreek, having Waddle, who had a great first year, Kasicki, no matter what the contract said, he's going to show up and he's going to play at tight end. Yep. Um, adding Chase Edmond in the backfield. The question marks were going to be Mike McDaniel is a first time head coach. How's that going to go? How's that going to work? And will Tua live up to what his draft status was? And so far, it's been check, check for mm-hmm. both of them. And in big part, because Mike McDaniel came in and said, as a brand new head coach, I'm going to believe in this quarterback who has had question marks about him and has not had the full belief of the people who coached him before. Yeah, I, I I like what I see from the Dolphins. I think that they've got playmakers on both sides of the ball. I love the continuity like you outlined. And I just I think it's a really low bar for Tua. He wasn't spectacular in that game, but he made plays when he needed to. And again, those, those playmakers are, um, you know, Daniel Jeremiah always calls them uh, amplifiers where it's just, you know, you yeah. can amplify everything in your offense. And, and that's, what I, that's what I see with those two guys. It's just like everyone around them feels like they're better with the two of them in there. Okay, uh, Charles Davis, keep it rolling. It's real or it's early. The AFC West is not special. It's early, but it's a legitimate question. It's a legitimate question. I'm still leaning towards early because I think over time, these quarterbacks will prove to be what we think they are. Mm-hmm. And right now there are a couple of extenuating circumstances. Herbert and his ribs trying to play yesterday. That's a problem, obviously. But his toughness, which I said last week should never be in question, definitely shouldn't be in question now. What I would question is why was he still out there late in that game when they were getting blown out? He said it was that up to him. They said it was his anymore. decision. That's I was like, why, why, why is it his decision? That's, of course he's going to play. Yeah. He's going to always choose that. It's not hard for a head coach to say, yeah, but this is it. And by the way, all you got to do is just turn to the bench and go, I'm taking him out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he doesn't want to go out. You know this. And we're off and running. He proved it. I would long haul. 
Think about the long season. Second thing is, obviously, the Raiders off to an 0-3 start trying to figure it out. Mm. A team that we expected to contend, of course. That's an issue. Denver may have won last night. Denver may be, right now, they are a 2-1 team that I don't think anyone truly believes in. They're not. Well, this is, I'm going to do it. That's a problem. And Kansas City off to a 2-1 start. I know people kind of freaked out a little bit yesterday because they lost to Indy because of Indy's start. Go back three weeks. That's all I'm telling her. But just go back three weeks. Mm-hmm. Who was over the overwhelming pick to win the AFC South? Indianapolis. So in three weeks' time, they've gone from that to, well, I can't believe they beat Kansas City. No. It's just not how it works. Bad two first games, yes. But then being Kansas City at home should not have been the major surprise that people are acting like it is. Okay? So – I'm with you on that one, but I want to give it more time to play out. I'm, I'm with you. And now I'm going to do, you know, a rapid fire, it's real or it's early, with that same okay. that same division. Because I, I'm i not freaked out about the Chiefs in terms of their contender status. Um, but And that game, you know, they lose it. There's a weird play with Chris Jones. We don't know what he said, but it was, the, the, I think the official that yeah, was asked about so. it called it aggressive language or something after the game. Either, either way, um, they have mistakes on special teams all over the place. It was a weird game. Um, if I'm a Colts fan, I don't know how much better I feel about the team based on the win. If I'm a Chiefs fan, though, I'm thinking this. It's real or it's early. Our offense clearly isn't the same without Tyreek Hill. Real? Yeah. He's just such a he's such a game-breaker. It's real. They, they will have to fashion it other ways. I just they, – they made a, that, that interception play. Tony Romo's bringing it up on the broadcast that he thinks it was on Juju Smith-Schuster, that it's a miscommunication on a route. And there were just moments in that game where – uh, you know, Mahomes is arguing with the enemy, and this is now two weeks in a row where they've been very underwhelming. And yes, week three, they lit the world on fire, and everyone freaked out because they went, why did we all think that Mahomes was going to be different? But that that game was a, just a bit of a reminder to me that we had issues with the Chiefs last year in their offense, and then to lose Tyree Kill and replace him with Valdez Scantling and Juju Smith-Schuster and the theory of, well, now he's just going to spread the ball around to all these different guys. I, I'm not saying that it, it can't happen, but... I, I really, you, you felt the loss for the first time yesterday in a, in a big time way. Okay. Let, let's keep it moving with that division. It's real or it's early. Okay. Um, the Raiders are no longer contenders. Real. Mm-hmm. It's only three. And, and as much as you want to talk about teams who get back in it, we always point to the examples. Owen three overwhelmingly says you're not going to the playoffs. Yeah. And Devonte Adams, another week where they take him out of the offense which to me, if I'm a Raiders fan, that, that scares me more than anything is how pedestrian this offense has looked at times when they load it up on all these different weapons and it just isn't working. Um, it's real or it's early. Russell Wilson is no longer elite. Early, but there are definitely some red flags. He looks like the guy from last <laughs> Again, year. I come back to the same thing I said about the AFC West because of those quarterbacks. I want to give them more time. I think they've earned it. We've seen who they are, right, over time, especially. Now, Herbert, obviously, is just his third year, but his first two were so good that you just feel like, okay, we know who he is, right? Mm-hmm. So I want to give him a little bit more time, but there's definitely some red flags. I mean, the biggest plays Russell Wilson made last night were down the stretch. How many plays were missed along the way that mm-hmm. normally we're seeing Russell Wilson make? So to me, it's still early, but I do say red flags. Yeah, I I liked when he settled in later, and I saw the old Russell Wilson, you know, the escapability, the downfield playmaking, um, that final drive of the game where they, they essentially win it. 
I went, okay, that, that looks a little bit like Russell Wilson. And, and that's what I'm holding on to if I'm a Broncos fan. What I'm hoping for if I'm a Broncos fan and the fear I would have as a Seattle fan holding their draft pick is that Russ just looks tight and that offense looks tight and that team looks tight. And they're in their building where they get booed a second time in a row and he looked like he was missing easy throws. And I'm hoping, again, if I'm them, that this is going to be something that eases up and that a victory like that where they put together a drive can start to help normalize things. Because, yeah, early on from Russ, it's just the same things. We're holding on to the ball a little too long and not making plays down the field. And then all of a sudden, the the missing of some of the accuracy, that was the one where I went, oh, boy, maybe that's just, you know, you're tight and you feel the pressure of all those picks, that big contract, that new fan base. It, It does feel a little bit like that to me. I think there's definitely some some uh, I definitely understand that and tend to agree with a, a good portion of that. One other thing to throw into it, Nathaniel Hackett, first year head coach, also calling plays. I don't think that rings any alarm bells for people because oh yeah, he was the offensive coordinator in Green Bay. He didn't call plays in Green Bay. Yeah. See, this is a brand new thing. He's got so many things that are brand new for him. They're bringing in Jerry Rossberg to be his you know analytics and. You know, to make sure game management type coach is a terrific move because he knew that opened him up to even more ridicule. But he also realizes if I don't do this, my ridicule might be I don't keep a job. And I think that that's a smart move on Nathaniel Hackett's part. But people may underestimate taking on so many new roles at once. And now please understand, he did not call the plays in Green Bay. Did he participate in game planning? Yes. Did he give suggestions during the game? Absolutely. But on game day, Matt LaFleur called the plays. This is not something that Daniel Hackett's been doing, even though supposedly in his DNA and his blood because of his dad, this and that and that. It's still brand new to him. And, oh, yeah, you're still the head coach, too. That's a lot of new. So I think that that's part of the problem they're having with the offense as well. Yeah, and another week where it gets a little swept under the rug because they end up winning the game, and mostly because just Jimmy, jo- and Jimmy G was so terrible. But another third down, yeah. third and long, where they've got the $250 million quarterback and Hackett decides to go with a run play and a punt over trusting the guy that they gave all the money to. And, yeah, I, I'm just a little spooked right now if I'm a Denver fan and I, I'm holding on to very, very unquantifi- uh, unquantifiable things because the quantifiable has been bad. I'm going to skip the Chargers because you already gave a thought there. And yeah, the Herbert injury does change things. They're so banged up already, but yeah, they're starting to feel a little overrated. I'm going to talk about the other team, the team that beat the brakes off of the Chargers. It's real or it's early. The Jacksonville Jaguars are the best team in the AFC South. Early, but that good roster or I should say a roster that maybe became underrated because of what Urban Meyer did during his time there is being allowed to emerge under Doug Peterson. I'm not ready to put them ahead of the Titans yet, even though the Titans are one and two. Okay. I'm not ready to put them ahead of the Colts because the Colts were for many people. I picked the Titans, but many people picked the Colts as a preseason favorite and and understandably so i'm not ready to go there yet they've got to go chest to chest with those teams and then we'll know more but you can see how this team is enjoying playing again you can see how this team feels like they've been you know let out for recess instead of kept in to go over latin class one more time this team certainly feels free to 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 be more of a professional football team go play that's what Doug Peterson, his staff, brought to this, to, to this squad. And we're seeing Trevor Lawrence blossom in his second year. He has an adult in the room running the team, and that was huge for that young man. 
Yeah. Um, I can't remember a guy coming off of an Achilles injury who has rebounded the way that James Robinson has too. Like, yeah, that, that's, that's pretty strong. Cam Akers, I would put into that territory. He looked good yesterday. Cam made it all the way back mm-hmm. in the same season, Yep, which is, is absolutely unheard of for all of us. That was craziness, right? Yep. So, yeah, I, I get that. But what you're talking about, James Robinson, I mean, you may, we went up to week one like, well, we don't know if he's going to be ready. We don't know if he's gonna be... <laughs> Guess what? He's ready. Yeah. Um, for those of us, uh, me and multiple leagues that – uh, took Etienne because we thought, oh, well, he's going to be the guy that just touches it all. He's going to be the McCaffrey of this offense. Eh, well, uh, James Robinson now has something to say about that. Um, it's real or it's oh. early. Tom Brady's looking old. I'm I'm going early. Oh, I know you wanted to say it, though. You wanted to. It's, it's hard to say I, it. I know I'm hesitating. I'm going early. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't think I think what we're seeing is much more all the stuff that led to him taking a ten day break during training mm. camp than, than 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 what we're seeing in terms of his being forty five. I think we're seeing real life playing out in front of us, and real life real life's a monster. Mm. Okay, he's trying to play through it, and whatever that is that led him to that ten day break and that discussion about a Wednesday off and. All these other things, I think we're seeing more of that than we are seeing him being 45. Yeah, I'm trying to give a little bit of grace given that um, I, I don't know how much I'm supposed to put Julio Jones real life, into the... Real life's a beast. No, hey, no, the yeah, real... I mean, real... Real life, I feel like Ferris Bueller, life comes at you fast, <laughs> Yes. okay? And even for the people who have it all, it comes at you fast. And all I'm saying is... There have been multiple reports about what it is and his, yeah. this is what's going on. I don't know that, yeah. okay? As I tell people all the time, I don't do domestic, okay? That's not my thing. That's not my job. Until they come out with a statement about it, that's, a, I, that's not it. But something is going on in his life yeah. that allowed him to take, that made him take a 10-day training camp hiatus, which Tom Brady doesn't do, okay? Yeah. Tom Brady would look at his other teammates and you're doing what? So it's got to be big for Tom Brady to take a 10-day hiatus. It's that, it's that simple. Yeah, you're, you're right. And I don't do the domestic either. You hear that TMZ, you can't have Charles Davis and I, all right? Like, we're not coming over. We're yeah. just staying with the you actual know, you game. Probably, if you hire me, you're, yeah. you're just wasting Yeah, <laughs> You can pay me, but I, I won't work. Um, I'll tell yeah. you this. I'm trying to say, all right, Julio Jones is hurt. Mike Evans is suspended. Chris Godwin's hurt. This has to matter a little bit in a tight ball game. Julio like that. Jones hurt. Yeah. Julio I, Jones hurt. Is the least surprising statement. I know. And apparently, you can make. and apparently, and I'm it's not saying worse. that is a negative. Yeah. It's just, I'm not saying that he doesn't want to be out there. I'm not saying that he's not a. I'm not saying any of that. When was the last time he was fully healthy and stayed healthy for an extended period of time? No. 2018, yeah. 2019. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty clear. It's a whole different ball game now. So anyone who thought that things were going to be different, and you always do because that type of talent, you're always hoping it's different for you. It wasn't different in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. It wasn't different at the end of the time in Atlanta. I don't know that that's ever going to change now. Yeah. Um, he just, that one play, he has a, he has a scramble play. And it, get, it got pull, uh, taken back on a hold. And I know it was his knee brace yeah. that got out of whack or whatever, but yeah. he did a he he did slid. Knee brace, yeah. yeah, but he when he slid, I went, oh, no, don't be hurt. And, <laughs> and, and that's a sign of where I feel like you're really old, is if you're just sliding in an open field and it looks awkward like that, 
There was just a few moments in yeah. the game where I went, Tom Brady doesn't, I don't have the same feeling as about Tom Brady. And now he almost won the game. He went down the field. He has a drive. I thought maybe we're going to get a Tom moment and that I was going to look like an idiot, but I just, I, it, it feels like something right now. And you're right. I don't know if it's the personal yeah. stuff. I don't know if it was the weirdness with Bruce Arians in week one. I don't know if it's him missing his receivers, but that Buccaneers team that it, that something is off. And Tom Brady is normally the great, you know, elevator. It, it certainly hasn't felt that way yep. yet. The NFC team that I'm pivoting to now, it's real or it's early. Yeah, real, real quick yeah, before go ahead. you pivot, real quick. I saw Brady play in like 2016, Philadelphia Eagles at New England Patriots. First Patriots game I ever did, and they threw one of those. It wasn't a Philly special. But they snuck Tom out of the backfield, and they do like you know the halfback try to throw a throwback yeah. pass to him. Mm-hmm. He looked like that then. Yeah, that's all I'm telling you. Yeah, okay, that's fair. So what you saw on the slide, <laughs> that's fair. Tom Brady and, and overt athletic ability do not uh-huh. crash into the same sentence. Tom Brady and extreme quarterback play mm-hmm. always crash into the same same thing. There's a difference between being a great quarterback and a great athlete. Tom Brady shows what a great quarterback looks like. He has some athleticism, but his athleticism is confined to understanding how to move in the pocket, make the right little step, a little deft step to your left, find the open throwing lane, all of those things. The idea of Tom Brady running zone read, getting outside, catching, that's just not who he is. And it hasn't been. So it's not a, you know, it's kind of like those receivers and running backs that you say, that guy's still going. He, 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 you know, came until he lost the step because he never had the step to lose. Mm-hmm. He was never fast. So that's just not that's just not a thing with Tom. That's just me. Yeah, I don't need to see Tom Brady be fast. I just don't want to gasp no. every time he goes down to the ground and go. Did we just see the last play well, of Tom I, I Brady's think, career? I think it's understandable because we do know he's forty-five. Yeah. I just don't think it's that much different than any other thing we've seen in his career. I mean, when have you ever seen Tom Brady take off and run and you thought, boy, that sure looks pretty. (laughs) No, I haven't. Uh, I have never thought that. Uh, Not once. So the team you referenced, the the team you referenced that he, he tried to catch that their version of the Philly special against it's real or it's early. The Eagles are the most talented team in the NFC. It's real. It's real. Offensive line, maybe the best in football. They can run it, adding A.J. Brown with Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, you can throw it. And Jalen Hurts is, 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 is really ascending in front of our eyes. And he understands the deal. This is a young man who was raised in the game. People keep forgetting this or maybe don't know it because for whatever reason, sometimes it's not talked about with certain quarterbacks as it is with others. A lot of quarterbacks have come up, oh, he's the son of a coach. He was raised in it. He was watching film on the, on, the, on, the, on the refrigerator like we used to with the old Super 8 and the 16-millimeter tape. I did it with my father where the refrigerator door was like your projector screen. And you had that sound and you watched it. Now, we're well past that. But – these kids are still raised the same way. If dad was a coach, you went to the ballpark with him, you went to practice, you shagged balls, you watched tape, you did all of these things. And we say this about a lot of kids who are play quarterback, especially the ones who aren't super talented. Kellen Moore, son of a coach, oh, my God, you know, and he learned. You know, We can go on forever. Jalen Hurts is the exact same kid, just extremely talented. His father was his coach. He played for his dad in high school. His dad was a was a, a, a quarterback savant, a play caller, the whole deal. So he has all of that steeped in him as well as exceptional talent. 
He worked hard in the offseason, and he understands how the Eagles are operating. Howie Roseman got that second first-round pick last year in the draft for next year in a quarterback-rich draft. So he hedged his bets. I'm going to give you everything you need, Jalen. I'm going to give you A.J. Brown. I'm going to give you all these weapons on offense. I'm going to give you a great offensive line. You proved us you're the quarterback for the future. If you flame out, I've got two picks next year that I can try and parlay into getting our quarterback of the future. He's playing both sides against the middle. Jalen Hurts is smart enough to understand that. And in the early going here, it's not bothering him. He's actually embraced that challenge. And now he's pretty much telling Howie Roseman, after three games, I get that, after three games, as we sit here with this quick take, hey, Howie, you'll be using those picks for, to, to fortify the rest of the roster. You don't need a quarterback anymore. Now let's see how it plays out. But I do think it's real. I picked the Eagles in the NFC East before the season began. Yeah, um, I love watching Hurts play right now. And I listen, the athleticism was always undeniable, and so was the character, right? Um, and, and I do think that the, the second part actually does really matter. You just see already that his teammates love him. They rally behind him. We can go all the way back to Alabama where, you know, he um, gracefully decides to let Tua take over despite having being the caliber of player that he was. Walks in the NFL. He It's a two things can be true thing, I think. It's, again, he looks yeah. like a guy who's taken a step forward. And he also looks like a guy who's surrounded with much better weaponry and much better game scripts and scenarios. Their defensive line is incredible. Carson Wentz had no time, no chance in that football game. Like that wasn't even a oh no. Carson Wentz stinks game. That was just look at their secondary. And and, 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 and are they even getting big time play from Jordan Davis? Exactly. Yet? They're they're not even at. It doesn't even feel like they've completely just unlocked every one of the features of their team. You mentioned it. The offensive line is good. They now have playmakers. And I love the symmetry between he and Tua right now, where it's these two quarterbacks with highly talented teams who were finally given some weapons and told, hey, let's see if the, the college resumes, the winning record, the winning track records is going to translate to the pros. And you're seeing it with both of them right now. Like, I, I love this Eagles team. I think it's very, very, very real. I think it's real. I think this is a good team. The defense, remember, opening week, they struggled. Jonathan mm-hmm. Gannon, second-year coordinator, trying, still trying to figure out exactly what they have. Week two, they throttled Minnesota. Week three, they throttled the Washington Commanders. That defense is getting better as they go along. So, yes, I think it's real. And I think what you said, both things can be true. They did surround him with that. But he put the work in. Yep. He, he is a different quarterback this year already in the early going. What I want to continue to watch is when people rush him, if they continue to try and push him left, because it was overwhelming. If you could push him left, he was either going to take off and run or his completion percentage was somewhere around 20%. If you pushed him right, he had his completion percentage was much, was, was much higher. It's like in the 60%, you know, over the 60%. And if he did take off and run, he would gas you. It's almost like you're playing a good shooter in basketball. Push him to his him or her to, her, to their weaker hand and see if they can beat you. Pushing him left was your formula. I don't know that that still holds. I need to watch more than the three games we've seen. But I know this young man has put in the work. And by the way, SEC player of the year, freshman at Alabama, Big 12 player of the year mm-hmm. at Oklahoma, Heisman Trophy finalist, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wherever he goes, it's good. His father said, I remember when, when, he, when Tua took over and then they made the decision he was going to transfer, my son will be the number one free agent in the business. And people kind of, eh, well, you sure, you know, I remember the question about accuracy and this and that. Dad was right. 
Charles Davis, um, you're usually right. Uh, it was fun playing the game today. NFL Anish for CBS. Thanks so much I for. I liked it. Yeah, it was a blast. Uh, I always love getting to pick your brain. Thanks for coming on, man. We'll talk to you next week. Right back at you, man. You take care of yourself. Continued success. You too, buddy. Charles Davis, NFL analyst for CBS. I think the biggest losers of the weekend. Actually, sorry, I'm gonna start with winners. Biggest winners of the weekend. Dolphins, Eagles. I, I want to say, I, I really do want to say the Vikings because that was just such a great comeback. But no, I'm going to go with the Jags. Those are the three teams that I think if you're a fan base of, you go like, wow, things are happening for us. It's, it's good. It's better than we expected it to be. Number one loser, Chargers. They're beat up. They got more injuries. Ouch. You get smoked by the Jags. That's a nightmare. The Detroit Lions, you got to win that. You got to win that game. You blew two 10-point leads. This is supposed to be a playoff season. I actually had this whole take about, we wrote off Jared Goff too early. He's actually the real Geno Smith. He didn't write back. Ah, it's, it's the, they lose the game. They lost. And then, yeah, the, the, I, I would say the Broncos, they won. I, you know what? I'm going to say the Niners because Jimmy G, that was a reminder. The first game comes in against, uh, against Seattle and people go, maybe he's better than Trey Lance. And then you watch that game and go, oh, right. There's a reason why no one wanted this guy in the offseason. He is brutal. Triple coverage. To end the game on a panic play. Idiotic. Enjoy free agency, Jimmy. I don't think the Niners are bringing you back. Um, thanks again to everybody that first week with the podcast. Subscribe, review, share. Do all those lovely things. All those five-star ratings really mean a lot. And they really help the show. Share it. Post it. We'll see you tomorrow.